Hello and welcome to Hoopsville. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Thank you for tuning in to this audio-only podcast. As we mentioned in previous shows, it's a cornucopia month for me. I've actually figured out I'm spending 14 or 15 days away from home covering Division Three athletics in some capacity. And this week, we are on the road in Greensboro, North Carolina for the Division Three Men's and Women's Soccer Championships. I'm honored to be on the call for all six games this weekend. As a result, had to pre-tape our show. Now, normally we've done that with some video elements to kind of keep with the theme, as it were. But one of the things I discovered when doing the preseason podcasts was that it is a little bit easier if we just focus on audio only um, for any time that we pre-tape a, a program. We don't lose necessarily anything. Yeah, maybe we don't gain something on our youtube account necessarily but we still are able to provide you the show and i don't have to duplicate the efforts either in creating the podcast on top of the video efforts which adds a lot of work so decided this week to just keep it simple as it were but with the audio only version which also saves a bunch of time in the setup and saves a bunch of time in the processing and the execution and post and all that fun stuff Hope you don't mind, but this is the easiest way to get the show out the door. Also, a note that some of our guests we're having on the show were taped prior to actually playing a game this week. That's part of the risk, as it were, of doing a show ahead of time. A reminder we're normally on the air Thursdays and Sundays, nearly every uh, week. During this time of year, that is a little harder, as we've mentioned. We do plan to be back on the air Sunday in our live format with a when, once I've gotten back from Greensboro, North Carolina. We were already working on our guests for that show. We'll also be on the air live the following Thursday and Sunday, keeping you abreast of Division Three basketball. It's the following week that I'll be then back out of town again for what has become a, an annual ritual f- for myself to join the D3 football gang down in Salem, Virginia for the Gallardi Trophy pregame and stag bowl festivities we leave out of town early enough making even taping a show for that thursday pretty problematic we don't have enough time to even pull that off with everything we have to do with d3 football so there will not be a show that week we'll then be back in time then to do a show the sunday after the stag bowl and we will do a thursday show before christmas and then we will take our traditional break around the holidays especially considering when we travel of course, we do a number of interviews in Vegas at the D3Hoops.com Classic, so that will be part of the quote-unquote repertoire. Then on in January, once we are back on that 4th of January, I believe it is, we will be back and raring to go in our full capacity every Thursday and Sunday evening. So we've gotten that out of the way. On our previous show, we talked a lot about the upcoming top 25s and what to expect considering all the different results. Well, uh, we weren't disappointed if you were looking for a lot of movement. In the women's top 25 poll, five new teams entered the poll while five dropped out. On the men's side, we actually saw quite a few more than that. We had, I believe, nine teams enter the poll and nine teams dropping out. What was amazing on the men's side was teams as high as number six, Tufts, and number seven, Babson, all fell out of the poll. Now, Babson barely fell out. They're five men. Five uh, points shy of the 25th slot. Tufts was a little bit further away, eight points. So they were still being voted for, but fell well out of the top 10. 
No, not surprising when you consider a preseason poll to a week one poll. Certainly that would be far more surprising if it's midseason. I remember when Virginia Wesleyan midseason one year a few years ago lost, I think it was three or four games in a row in a span of their holidays. The poll came out and they certainly tumbled, but I don't remember them tumbling all the way out of the top 25 polls. So clearly the preseason visions of what we think the season will be like didn't manifest itself not unsurprisingly, and it resulted in a lot of movement. Of course, Whitworth leapfrogged into 13th. I have gotten my my ballot out finally, despite a very busy week. I finally got that out, and you'll notice that Whitworth's not on my ballot. Whitworth was one of a many teams that, for me, I sat there thinking, okay, you're undefeated, but you didn't exactly play anybody. And Whitworth is a prime example of it of that. They played Laverne, who hasn't won a game as of the time we're taping this. They played Gallaudet, same deal, hasn't won a game. Played Waynesboro, same deal, hasn't won a game. Now they beat North Central. That was certainly significant. But North Central's also struggling at 2-2. Two and two. And then they beat Arcadia, certainly at 3-2. and two, But I'm not really sure what to make of Arcadia. Uh, Arcadia hasn't played a who's who of, of teams either. They lost to Gwynedd Mercy, which says something, but then beat Brennanthon and Penn State Abington and then beat Lewis and Clark. So for me, Whitworth had more questions than than I could answer myself, and so I didn't vote for him. But look at that. They leapfrogged in the 13th uh, as a result. Remember, there's 25 total voters. I'm just one of them. Ohio Wesleyan leaped into 16th. Oshkosh leaped up into 18th. Hobart leaped in at 19th. I'll admit, you may have seen on my blog, that Hobart was one of those teams that I, I kind of hemmed and hawed about. I eventually did vote for them, but certainly wasn't completely confident. I actually put them pretty high at 15th, but that came also down to making sure they were ahead of somebody that they had beaten early on. I think that's significant versus later on. It's not as significant, especially later in the season. Skidmore leaped in, Amherst leaped in, Bowden leaped in, Eastern Connecticut leaped in, and Worcester. All those teams I considered as well. I just didn't happen to vote. I don't think for any of them, to be honest. Um, I'm trying to remember. I have it in front of me. I did vote for for Bowden, and I did vote for Eastern Connecticut, so I take that back at the very least. In the meantime, on the women's side, Bowden also jumped into the poll. So did Messiah and Muhlenberg, Wheaton and Marietta. And congratulations to Marietta, first ever time in the women's top 25. And, of course, on both sides, a lot of teams receiving votes. And no surprise, there have been so many interesting results in the opening couple weeks of this season that at least leads voters to try and figure out who the top 25 teams are from a lot of teams. I ended up getting stuck in a scenario where at first I didn't have enough teams for my ballot. I had put in basically a restriction saying I'm not voting for X teams for these reasons, and I didn't have enough teams to vote in. So I said, okay, I need to open this up. I opened it up, and then I had way too many teams to try and sneak onto the poll. And and it came down to this, either, and I said it in the ballot, either, or in my blog, either I have to, as myself, adjust my expectations of the top 25. That's not to say that there aren't top 25 teams out there, that there aren't worthy. It's not to say that there aren't programs that I'm not considering who aren't worthy. It's that maybe my standards are too high. My standards are from maybe a decade ago. Let's argue. I'm not sure if that's a valid statement. Maybe five years ago is better. And that I expect a different variety, and I haven't even adjusted to what I've been talking about, and that's parity. And if I haven't adjusted my standards to the parity out there, then I'm going to struggle trying to find enough teams. If I open it up to the parity conversation, which I know I've considered in the past, 
then that's going to give me too many teams to vote for. And at first, I maybe I was too stringent as I was voting. And then when I opened it up, it became much more complicated, which kind of made me wish I was stringent. But then when I was stringent, I didn't have enough teams to vote for. And then again, in the middle of my ballot are a lot of teams that I feel are too high, that I don't think are that good. Hobart doesn't feel like a top 15 team to me. But I got to get them ahead of people. I got to put them into the into the system somewhere. There's a gap somewhere in there um, that that teams are going to fall in because you have to fill in those holes. Uh, as my colleague Ryan joked, can we leave five through ten or five through fifteen open? Well, technically, no, we can't. So teams are going to get slotted in there even if they don't feel like a top fifteen team. Hobart doesn't feel like a top fifteen team to me. They feel like a top twenty five. But I got to put somebody 15 and everybody behind him. I didn't feel was a 15 team either. So that's where it gets a little bit uh, complicated, a little bit confusing. So it was an interesting vote. Ramapo, another example, we talked. I had them fourth. We talked on the last show, and Ryan corrected me because I had them initially falling behind North Central for getting North Central had lost two games. But Marietta could only fall so far before they were going to basically get buoyed by those behind them that I don't think are as good. So Ramapo on my ballot fell two spots. In the meantime, Marietta jumped into the top five. I'm nervous about that. I think Marietta is a very good men's basketball team. They lost some key cogs from last year, and I understand they have some good ones. But we've seen this from Marietta where they start a season well and then somehow kind of fade in the middle or fade at the end. And last year, I think they they definitely faded in the middle. I think the previous season, they definitely faded at the end. And then last season, you could say maybe they faded at the end. They really did take on some tough competition at home in the second weekend. So I don't know if that's a fair representation necessarily. But putting them in my top five early based on results, knowing what I've seen from a trend from the program is tough for me. And some people will say, hey, you can't vote on the past. Okay, but we learn a lot about a program from the past. And if I know a program does really well during the regular season and then fades at the end, I'm going to keep that in mind, that maybe what I'm seeing at the beginning is another example of really good preparation, but not necessarily a statement of how good that team is in actuality. That in reality that they are good now, but they aren't good overall, or they're hiding their problems well and teams haven't figured them out just yet in the opening handful of games. Maybe that's a little convoluted. Maybe that's a little confusing. I just keep it in mind. And so I put Marietta fifth because I think they did get very significant wins, and they're playing well right now. If I really was going to stick by the but-they're-going-to-fade routine, I would have put them 15th. So I at least went with who I think is playing well right now and winning. And, of course, a lot of teams who are undefeated rise as well when we have this many losses and again, as I said in the blog, it's also we're seeing a lot of losses because teams are going out there and challenging themselves. I literally saw a dichotomy with my 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 teams that I was selecting from. You, on one side, you see teams that are going out there, challenging themselves, playing really good competition, not afraid to take a loss, know how that's going to affect their SOS, their results versus regionally ranked opponents data, and other data when it comes to the end of the season. So there are more and more teams we're seeing, and it's even on the women's side, are willing to challenge, challenge themselves in the opening weeks of the season. There are a few exceptions to that. You can look at a lot of the NESCAC men's schools. I think on the women's side, they challenge themselves. But on the men's side, they tend to duck away and, and play easier opponents in the opening weeks based on not have their claim of not having as much practice time as everybody else, which is factual in, in dates. I think it keeps them fresher and makes them better prepared, and other teams wear themselves out after four weeks of practice, but that's another topic. 
You also have schools like NYU who never ch seem to challenge themselves outside of conference. You see other programs that, you know, Albertus Magnus, we used to make that argument. Now they've turned the corner with their scheduling. And so you see some really differences in styles. And so you see more losses from those who are going out there and challenging themselves. We're seeing more top 25 battles in the early part of the season and not during conference schedule. And as a result, we see more losses. We see maybe where the parity is, and it's more exciting. The other flip of that was then I got left with a lot of teams who are undefeated who didn't seem to have played anybody. I mentioned Whitworth. They didn't feel like they played anybody. I considered looking at Illinois Wesleyan, who got votes but didn't make the top 25. And I didn't feel like I understood from their schedule so far who, who they really were. Yeah, they're off to a great start, but they hadn't played a who's who list necessarily. It doesn't mean they won't, and, they, and we will find out later in this show how they will. But there were other teams I certainly considered, and I just sat there going, I can't, I can't right now vote for them because I don't have enough information based on their teams. On the flip side of that, you got Hobart, who played two teams that were both previously top 25 ranked and beat them both. Now, granted, one of them fell out of the top 25. But New Jersey City's another example. They're off to a 5-0 and start. Everything I'm hearing is they're playing tremendously well. Of course, they have the last year's regional rookie of the year, and you would expect them to be maybe playing well, but they beat Stevens, who's two and three. They beat Gwen and Mercy, who's two and one. They beat Drew, who's two and two. They beat Rutgers Newark, who's two and two. And they beat Farmingdale State, who's one and two. That's the data I was working off of. Nothing about that tells me, hey, 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 this is an awesome team, especially considering a lot of those games are kind of close. Now, their upcoming schedule says a lot more about them. Now, if they continue to go and maybe only take on one or two blemishes, then they're in the conversation more than they are right now at 5-0. and oh. That's kind of where I got myself stuck. And don't get me wrong. I've been voting from Ohio Wesleyan since, since the preseason, but they also didn't go out there and necessarily have a who's who list. They're 4-0 and oh off of a win against Trine, 1-2, and two, Albion, 1-3, and three, Otterbein, 0-5, oh and, and Capital, 2-2. Two and two. No, they didn't necessarily have a lot. And so here's what I ended up doing, and I explained it more in the blog. You can read more about it. A lot of teams, especially with one loss or didn't have a, a spectacular record, I left in their same slot from their preseason. I didn't move them up. I didn't move them down. That's where I started. Now, I had to shift some teams as a result from there. But for the most part, I said, no, if you were 15th, you slide to 15. If you were 20, you slide to 20. And I will go from there. If I find teams I think are better, I will move them ahead of you. If I find that you have to move up because I need to fill the hole, I will move you up. But I will try and keep this at a minimum. Now, Marietta would have been an example of, of, of an opposite of that. I certainly moved them up, but they had significant wins again. So it was a really interesting top 25 this week, on even the women's side, uh, where the top three remained the same. But Wartburg on the women's side went from 8th to 4th, Oshkosh 11th to 5th. Teams really shifted. Rochester went from 21 to 9. And again, we point out a team like Bowden going from unranked to 17th. It was just, it, we have a lot more results, and I think it ends up being a little bit more chaotic in the beginning as a result. But I love it, too, because we get to see some really good basketball. If you have any questions for us, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can always find us on Instagram at D3Hoopsville as well. You can email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com if you're interested. We got an email last show. We're still working on it about the coaching tree, as it were, in Division Three basketball and who may have the strongest tree. And, and the reference was to a Division One coach who has four coaches, uh, four previous uh, assistant coaches who are now Division Three head coaches. We're still working on that. Believe it or not, it kind of got our brains spinning a little bit, and I think 
we're each uh, on the staff kind of looking through that one and and trying to come up with it. There's some good choices. We talked about it last show, but I just wanted to point out those kinds of emails will certainly get us talking about other things. Let's talk about the show that's coming up here today. Uh, ahead of us, we will talk to two women's programs, two men's programs, and we'll have something else as well. Uh, and one of the small themes that's going on is teams that um, are, are synonymous with good basketball in both programs. Both have been rewarded to some degree. We can't talk to both today, but we talk to both in some degree. But we also talk to teams that are making a splash early on. So we'll start with the Bowdoin women's basketball program. Adrian Scheibels joins me to talk about their leap into the top 25 and where that, what that might mean for NESCAC battle, what it might mean for the Amherst-Tufts battle at the top of that conference, what it means for her program and where they're going from here. Remember, they got a big win over St. Thomas at the start of this season. We'll also talk on the women's side to Marietta. First ever time ranked in the top 25. Of course, we know about the men's program's success. First time we've actually seen the women's program. Remember, this is a program that not very long ago wasn't a program we ever talked about. Now they're in the national conversation. So we talked to their head coach, who also has a very unique road to coaching, as it were, about what this means for the program, what's ahead for them. They've actually got a pretty good schedule uh, themselves, and we'll talk to them about that. We'll take a break from the teams and talk to a former All-American. Sam Boris-Smith will join us to talk about D3 talent. We talked to Pat Coleman about that as part of the 20th birthday celebration on Sunday's show of D3Hoops.com. We talked to Boris-Smith about the idea behind D3 talent, where he got the inspiration, why he thinks it's important, and why he brought it to us. Uh, he gives his insight, along with what happened when he tried to play overseas this past summer, and why it wasn't the right fit for him. We don't dive deep into that, but he certainly explains what he's up to now. You might be jealous of what he's up to now. Then we'll get back to our coaches. We'll slide back onto the men's side, starting at Wartburg. Uh, Dick Paith will join us to talk about his team, and I freely admit I, may, I might be missing something with them. I'm not voting for them, and yet they're 14th in the top 25. We'll talk to him about what am I missing? What am I discounting or whatnot, and find out more about the Knights and the IAC, which I think has turned into one of the more interesting conference races in the country. And then we'll head to Illinois Wesleyan. Ron Rose joins us on the team. They're not in the top 25, as we have mentioned, but they're certainly getting votes. I love what they've got for a schedule coming up, which intrigues me. We don't usually get to talk to the Titans early on when they're not in the top 25. I wanted his take on things, and I wanted his take on the CCIW race, which has certainly gotten more interesting in years in the, over the years. It's always an interesting race to begin with. But the top and the bottom that used to exist, I think, has blurred a little bit. A lot of the bottom has come up. We still have some of the bottom. That's going to happen. But the top race has become far more fascinating. Ron Rose. We'll talk about that with us as well. So that's coming up on the show. Hope you enjoy it. Hope you enjoy our coaches' interviews. And a reminder, Sunday we'll be back on the air live, we hope, barring travel problems, at 7 o'clock Eastern time as well. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get things going. We'll head up to Bowdoin, to Biddeford, Maine, to find out more about the polar bears and see what the women's program is up to and why they're even proud of the men's program. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. More hoops will after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. 
and we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Welcome back to Hoopsville, an audio-only edition as we travel to the Division Three Men's and Women's Soccer Championships. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Thanks for tuning in. If you've got questions for us, guest ideas, whatever the case may be, you can always email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Twitter at d3hoopsville, which is also our Instagram account, or use the hashtag hoopsville. You can always find us there and chat with us. Again, talking to coaches ahead of time this week, uh, some of them ahead of games that they're playing, and that's certainly the case here with this next guest, Bowdoin women's basketball Adrian Scheibels will join us to talk about her program. The team is off to a 5-0 and start. When we release this show, they'll actually be taking on Mass Dartmouth in a fascinating non-conference battle. They then have Colby in non-conference. Yes, non-conference coming up. They also have Bates coming up in non-conference. You remember, Adrian Scheibels is a graduate of Bates, but she is almost synonymous now with the Bowdoin Polar Bears. Back in the top 25 after a win over Skidmore, St. Thomas, University of New England, MIT, and Southern Maine to start the season. And Southern Maine, not as as dominant a program as they used to be, so that win doesn't jump out at me as much as the University of New England game jumps out at me. And, of course, the St. Thomas game jumps out at me. But what are these polar bears this season? They're now in the top 25. Are they one of those other NESCAC teams in position to maybe upset the apple cart, as it were, for Tufts and Amherst. Well, the only way to find that out is to talk to the head coach. Now joining me on the Hoopsville Hotline, the head coach of the Bowdoin Polar Bears women's team. It's Adrienne Scheibel. She joins us. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, great start to the season, 5-0, and jumping into the top 25, uh, along with a win over St. Thomas and New England and, and others. You've got to be thrilled with the way this, this squad has started the season. Uh, we're pretty excited. I'm very proud of the women, um, but uh, we're by no means complacent. It's early in the season, and we know we still have work to do. I was going to say, Coach, you can just end the season now. You're good to go. We'll just bring you into the NCAA tournament in March. Is that yeah. good for you? <laughs> that would work, but yeah, no. Well, that's too easy. Um, yeah, you're only five games into a 25-game schedule, essentially. Uh, now, the next stretch is, I mean, really part of this stretch, but the real next stretch is, is uh, nice. You're going to have three games, really, you're going to have seven of your next eight at home. Uh, you already played two of the four at home. Home cooking is going to be certainly very important this season. Yeah, we. Uh, it doesn't feel like we're home as much as we'd like to be. Um, our conference schedule takes us away six mm. of the ten games, which is unfortunate um, for our seniors and for our fans, but we are excited to have some big ones at home here coming up. And let's go back quickly before we go forward. You know, it started the season with a win over Skidmore, pretty impressively, and then a win over St. Thomas, uh, 80-68. to 68. I, I, I think everyone saw that game and went, okay, we know this is going to be a battle of two heavyweights. We realize that one of these teams is going to have to lose. I don't think anyone expected you guys to win by 12, uh, mm -hmm. 80 to 68, or to put an 80 spot on St. Thomas in the first place. Tell us how that game kind of progressed from your point of view. 
Um, we were we were really excited to um, find them on our schedule. We got onto the Skidmore tournament late, and um, you know, after going out of the NCAA tournament early the year before, we and we felt like we had something to prove, even after losing five seniors to graduation. So, uh, the team was really pumped to have that matchup early on, and I was very impressed with how we executed the game plan. Um, and to be to be honest, we just really shot the ball exceptionally well that game which always helps you know um they're they're a very good team um took it to us in the post a little bit something that we have to work on but um it was certainly a good win for us yeah 54 percent from the floor 10 for 20 from beyond the arc that's not a bad number of course you also put a 32 spot on them in the first quarter i remember when i saw that i thought it was maybe the uh, a misprint or a halftime score you really came out gunning yeah, the the team was really mentally uh sharp to start, um very fired up and uh and you know, it, it, like I said, when you're shooting that well from behind the arc, um yeah. <laughs> it's always a good thing. Yeah, not bad when uh, Taylor Schott is going 2 for 4, Katie Kerrigan 2 for 3, Pettit and Kelly both 2 for 5 beyond the arc and then off the bench Graham goes 2 for 2. It certainly helps. Uh, when you're shooting that well from beyond the arc. And again, putting up a 32 spot on them in the first quarter and then pretty much holding them at bay, extended that into the halftime, gave up a little in the third quarter, and then it was a 20-20 fourth quarter score. So you proved a lot, and I think that's one of the reasons you jump into the top 25. And I realize early rankings to a lot of coaches mean nothing, or even late rankings mean nothing to coaches. But what does it mean for the program to get a a significant win at the start of the season, to be recognized nationally, and maybe change the conversation in the NESCAC? Um, I'm not so worried about the conversation in the NESCAC. I am more worried about continuing to get the most out of our squad each and every day and and just to continue to strive to to get better. Um, I mean, obviously – you know, we always get really pumped to get into conference play, but right now we have one focus, and that's UMass Dartmouth tomorrow. The other big win that you guys had was against uh, University of New England, a team that's a 20-plus win team perennially, especially under Coach Anthony Ewing. Uh, you guys kind of showed them the door a little bit, 91-59. Is that just another example of the, the shooting continued uh, three days later after St. Thomas, or is this an example that this team is maybe deeper and more experienced than many thought? Yeah, I mean, I do think we have a lot of weapons. We have great depth. Um, I Frankly, I'm a little disappointed with the, the numbers that we're giving up defensively. I think mm-hmm. that's an area where we can definitely improve, but we do have a lot of youth. So, um, And as you know, we start late in the NESCAC with practice. So, right. you know, we've only been practicing about three weeks. So um, it's something that we're striving to get better on. But, yeah, I do think our depth um, and the amount of weapons, offensive weapons that we have on the team, I think those are some of our, our strengths. And um, Coach Ewing has suffered some uh, injuries with his squad. So they're very young. Um, and I, I just, I really feel like by the end of the season, they're going to be one of the top teams in the region. As always, we expect them to be in the conversation. That will certainly help when it comes to regional rankings. Um, so you've gotten two major wins when we talk about data at the end of the year under your belt already before we gotten into conference play. Uh, coming up, you've got Mass Dartmouth. Um, this is actually airing at about the time you'll be playing that game. Um, and then Colby and then Maine Farmington at home before Bates, uh, not conference, but conference, as we all know. Um, and then you take your Christmas break. So what's the message to the team here in these next four games after such a great start? 
well, we, there's no complacency here. I mean, UMass Dartmouth is a very strong team. As you know, they have two of the better post players in the region. And, um, and that's an area where we've been, frankly, falling short defensively. So um, we're, we're really um, excited to welcome them to our gym and to match up against a really a great opponent um, tomorrow. When you look at uh, this team, three seniors on the squad, yeah, you're being led by juniors, though. It's Taylor Choate, who's averaging 12.6 points a game. It's Abby Kelly at 12.2 points a game. Then it's your seniors and Kate Kerrigan and, and Lauren Pettit, who then come in also at double figures at 11.6 and 11.2. So while you've got these three seniors, you've also got a, quite a bit of depth in terms of longer term with this program. Yeah, it's been great to see our junior class rise, and our sophomores are giving us a lot right now as well. So we're very excited about that. Um, our senior leadership, though, has been exceptional. And so even though you're, you might not be seeing the numbers and mm -hmm. the, the stat lines, um, our seniors are offering some exceptional leadership. Um, Kate Kerrigan is just, a, you know, a coach's dream. She just does it all. Um, Lydia Caputi's had some some ankle issues and so she's been sort of in and out of the lineup but you you just haven't seen her best yet she's amazing um and lauren Batie is just sneaky sneakily underrated she just does it all um she's she's known as a sharpshooter and actually her shots hasn't haven't been falling lately as they usually do but um i've been proud of her and the way she's adjusted to to find her points elsewhere uh, the, all of them are listed as guards who we just talked about and and kerrigan's leading the team at 7.2 rebounds a game then you come your forwards and graham caputi hasten and, and mayor is that kind of what you're hinting at it at, at taking advantage of the inside it's that so far you're, you're kind of being led by guard play yeah, exactly. And we've been talking a lot about um, utilizing our inside play. Uh, yesterday, we were just uh, putting up a lot of threes against USM in the first half. And at halftime, we talked at length about we can't just be that team. It's just like mm. firing threes nonstop. We have to have a balance in our scoring. And so I thought we showed that a lot more, especially in the third quarter. Um, and I was I was proud of the team that we made that adjustment. And it's not like you don't have size. Uh, Annie Mayer is 6'2". Dorn. Mm -hmm. Cor uh, Dorian Corn is six foot, six two from Cornelia Stewart. Uh, you also have a couple of uh, five of ten, five elevens in Caputi and Hasten. It's it's not that you don't have the size. It, it, so what's what's the challenge as a coach if you've got the the height, as it were, inside, but it doesn't seem to be um, manifesting itself naturally? How do you then transform that talent and or your team to take advantage of it? Uh, I think part of the issue is that several of our posts were, frankly, guards in AU and mm. high school. And so it's making that adjustment to getting them more comfortable playing with their back to the basket and finding ways to get them the ball where they're facing it and a little more comfortable. But um, we, uh, I think I really – the last few games I've seen a dramatic improvement, and so I'm expecting big things from our post play in the future. It certainly could be an important factor when you get into the NESCAC. Uh, the conference action obviously starts, as we mentioned, with Bates on December 9th, but that's in non-conference action. You'll actually mm -hmm. see Bates less than a month later and get them out of your way for the rest of the season. Um, but the rest of this conference, the, the Amherst and the Tufts obviously have big inside presence. We've known Williams to have big inside presence too is that a key to this conference um yeah i mean frankly i haven't seen 
uh, Amherst, Tufts, or really anyone except for Con College who was in the Skidmore tournament with us. I haven't seen any of them um, play. I've been really focused on our next opponent. Um, but, um, you know, when you talk about just if I'm thinking about Amherst, the Amherst of last year um, and what I've heard, you know, from Tufts of this year is I, I do think even with those programs, I mean, their Amherst 5 is, is a guard. I mean, she is yeah. a guard. So I do think post play is important. And yet I think the, the great thing about our conference is that the, the post play in our conference is just, it's such skilled play. Um, so you not only have to be, you know, strong and big under the basket, but you have to be able to move laterally against some of these posts. I mean, Baptista Tufts is mm. an exceptional guard post, you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, our conference is definitely deep and talented. And quickly, not to, to belabor the point, but you kind of said something that triggered my, my thought, the, the guard post and talking about playing guard in the AAU system is is that just the evolution of the game that more and more post players can be a guard or is it an evolution of the game that for some reason to get more eyes on you or to get more attention or whatever the the, the post position has lost its luster and more players would rather shoot from outside I think you really nailed it I mean I I, really, I think that's what's going on is um, at the high school AU especially I think the the student athletes are being told that um, you know, in order to get uh, attention from scholarship programs, you need to be able to face the basket and be able to handle the ball and shoot the ball. And um, the back-to-the-basket play really has, like you said, lost its luster a little bit. Mm. Um, and if you are a strong back-to-the-basket player, you know, with good size, you are likely to be offered a scholarship. And so finding those players, I think, is getting harder and harder at our level. That's fascinating because I, I love the back-to-the-basket player. I think they're they're – sometimes the unsung hero Absolutely. Uh, a lot of times. And maybe that's because I learned how to play it with my back to the basket, which is probably why I didn't have much of a career, but that's a whole nother. <laughs> um, let's talk about the NESCAC again, again, Tufts, number one, Amherst, number three in the rankings. Obviously the Tufts has been to four straight final fours and two straight championships. Amherst has those numbers as well. And both of them have been in the national conversation. The rest of the NESCAC feels like it's been forgotten yourselves uh, Williams and others, but I don't know, maybe it's just me reading the tea leaves weird, but it feels like this year, the rest of you may be coming up a little bit and maybe Amherst and Tufts aren't going to easily walk away with this conference necessarily. Mm, I do think that, um, we are seeing more parity in our conference and, um, you know, I'd like to think that there, um, is going to be even more balance than there was last year. I think, um, you haven't mentioned them, but I think uh, Middlebury, uh, mm -hmm. you know, returned everyone from last year and added some more pieces. So I think they'll be really strong. Con College just uh, beat Babson the other day. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that, you know, um, a lot of the teams in our league are are showing, you know, that they have a lot to offer and, and provide more parity in our league. Is there a lot of different styles in the women's side on the NESCAC, or is it very similar? I mean, we see Amherst and Tufts, and they're similar. The defense grinded out, we're going to make you work for it type of teams. And I see a lot of defensive mentality in some other teams, but I get this feeling that's not the story of the entire NESCAC. 
Uh, I don't really know how to answer that. I think I think there are definitely different styles within the NESCAC. Um, I think we're different from both of the teams that you mentioned and from mm-hmm. some other teams in that we're um, we try to extend the defense a lot. Uh, I think a lot of teams in our conference are more half court kind of mm-hmm. oriented. Um, and I be- I don't I'm not sure why I believe it's probably because we play back-to-back when we get into conference play. Um, So extending the defense for 40 minutes isn't what a lot of teams are comfortable with, or maybe they don't have the depth to do it. But, um, yeah, I think, I mean, every team has its own own style. But, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's an exciting conference to be a part of. It's a conference I played in, and and I I love it. It's just exceptional basketball. Yeah, you're very familiar with it, to say the least. Um, at the uh, at the level it, it's at, and of course it's even raised to some degree. And I know you've had fun in it, and I look forward to seeing how the team progresses this season. Uh, we mentioned it earlier on, and I wanted to bring it up before we let you go. I know you're proud of it, and it's not your team necessarily. It's it's the men's program that's now in the top 25 after their terrific start this season. I know you're proud of that as well. Absolutely. Um, our two teams are very close. Um, we actually have two hometown kids, like one on my team and one on the men's team, and they're, they grew up as best friends. And so our teams are very supportive of one another. I, um, Coach Gilbride is, is just one of the absolute best. Um, they have a really exciting player in Jack Simons, who is a, a, main, a main kid. So um, they're just a lot, of, a lot of fun to watch, and uh, they have some great young talent as well. So really, really exciting for Bowdoin. It's, it's too bad we can't get into these double headers in the NESCAC. Um, true double headers where everybody's playing the same team. That You guys can travel maybe more together. But um, I know we have some crossover, so I don't want to say it's not there. Uh, so don't. <laughs> but it's fun to see that both programs are in the top 25 in the national conversation. Uh, we look forward to talking to the men's program somewhere down the road as well. Um, Coach, thanks for taking the time to join us. Really appreciate it. I know it's a busy time of year, but thank you. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? Uh, no, I just want to thank you for, for having me and um, and uh, look forward to uh, to uh, listening to you throughout the season. <laughs> well, thanks, Coach. I appreciate it. I look forward to watching you guys throughout All the right. season as well. Take care, and we'll look forward to talking to you down the road, and happy holidays. Once again, thank thanks to too. Coach Scheibel for joining us from Bowdoin Polar Bears. Again, Bowden. the men's program also doing very well. Both teams ranked. It's certainly a hats off to those at Biddeford. We'll talk to the men's program, we highly suspect, later in the season. For the women, again, taking on Mass Dartmouth on Thursday in a game that's taking place when this podcast is released. They then have Colby, Maine, Farmington, and Bates ahead before the holidays. A lot of home games. Unfortunately, their their finish of the season, as we talked about, it's going to be a little bit rougher. Their last two games are on the road. Four of their last six games are on the road. Five of their last seven. Six of their last eight. You, you kind of get the drift here. I might even have that math off a little bit. But they're going to have a lot of tough times traveling and talking to her off-air. The one that she really isn't looking forward to is January 26th and 27th. They travel to Hamilton on the 26th, 7 o'clock game. Then they're at Amherst on the 27th at 3 o'clock. That's not easy. You're hoping that maybe the Hamilton game doesn't go long and there's no travel issues to get to Amherst and play at 3. Plus, you got to spend the night somewhere. Not an easy trip, to say the least. But thanks to Coach Scheibels for joining us from Bowdoin. When we come back, we'll talk to Marietta women's basketball. Fascinating story, not only with how the coach got the job, but how the team has transformed 
into a top 25 team as of the last poll. What does it mean for the program and what does it mean for Marietta as a whole? We'll find out from their head coach. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. More Hoopsville after this. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. Welcome back to Hoopsville, folks. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Again, audio-only version as we're traveling for the Division Three Soccer Championships. Hope you're enjoying the show nonetheless. We certainly look forward to putting these programs together and taking the time to not skip a show on this particular Thursday. There's too much to talk about. One of those items to talk about in women's basketball is the Marietta Pioneers. We're used to talking about the men's program, but Cole Vivian in his second season at the head of the women's program has the team out to a 4-0 start after coming off a 16-11 season last year, including a 9-9 run in the OAC. That's significant because this program hadn't won more than six games in the OAC. That was the year before. And 12 games overall, and that's the previous year for the first time in forever. This used to be a program that we didn't see a lot of wins from. They've turned it around. They certainly were on a tear last season before losing to Ohio Northern in the regular season and then in the conference tournament. They certainly seemed like a formidable squad. Well, now they're in the top 25 for the very first time only, uh, in their program's history. But it's tough to read. They got a win over a good Transylvania squad. They certainly got wins over Denison and Wittenberg, along with Adrian on that list. Now, we're talking to their head coach. They've already played Otterbein, but we talked to him before that game, so we don't know the results of that. But they are now in the midst of the start of the OAC schedule with four games against Ottermine, Baldwin-Wallace, John Carroll, and Wilmington. But their out-of-conference schedule continues to impress. But what do we make of Marietta? Are they a top 25 program? Let's find out from their head coach. Now joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, the head coach of the Marietta women's basketball program, it's Cole Vivian. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Welcome to Hoopsville. Thank you. Thank you. Our first chance to talk with you. We uh, welcome you to the program. And it's a good reason to talk to you, as we mentioned, first time ever for this program in the top 25 for D3Hoops.com. Off to a 4-0 start. You've got to be proud. Yeah, we, we, we thought kind of coming in this year we, we could do some special things. We, uh, we finished last year really well. Uh, I think we won five games in a row to kind of start February. Then we, 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 had, we had a tough loss to end the season, a, a big loss in the season. Then we kind of regrouped there. And uh, we, we knew with what we had coming back, this could be, this could be a, a really good, good year for us. So it's, it's nice to kind of start off, uh, start off well and, and, and get some uh, recognition for it. Let's be honest. This program isn't necessarily in the national conversation. It's not necessarily in the Great Lakes conversation. And to be blunt, it's not necessarily in the OAC conversation. It isn't that long ago that we look at a below 500 season. Last year was the first time above 500 in, well, a very long time. So what has changed? 
Well, I think I think the the biggest thing that's changed is is just the how how committed people are to to the program, and this is this is going to be kind of something that's been building for for a long time. Uh, it's gonna, this is my sixth year here. I was an assistant my first four years before I got bumped up to head coach. And uh, when I came as assistant, that the head coach that was here, Coach Schreider, she was awesome. She kind of she changed a lot of things to the program about holding people accountable, uh, getting the the right kind the the people in here that really you know, want, want to be a successful college athlete. Uh, so this is something that's been been building up. Uh, Quite quite a bit for us, and now uh, you know our our players are great. We have a really good senior class. Uh, we have a really good junior class. Our, we don't have a lot of sophomores, but uh, they're they're contributing to to us a big time in our freshman classes as well. So the I guess the biggest thing is just kind of the the, the people that have, have have you know put the time in to make this happen. Yeah, about a decade ago, you guys could barely win two or three games a season. I, obviously, you weren't there, but that's what the program was. And then since then, it's been double-digit victories at the very least. Grew into that 16-11 and 11 season last year, 9-9 nine and nine in the OAC, and now you're off to this 4-0 and start. So we don't know a lot about you guys because you haven't been in the national conversation necessarily. You win at Adrian. You beat Transylvania by three. You beat Denison in a slugfest by five. And then you beat Wittenberg by 12 so i'll be blunt what do you think are the reasons that you are in the top 25 i think the top 25 is just just what we have coming back and uh just the the uh, players that that we have there we we scheduled a tougher non-conference schedule this year uh last year we we, we got off to a strong start but we weren't playing some some of those heavyweight teams that that we have this year um you know going to adrian you know can and, and, and getting a good win up there was, was nice for us to start the year and then hosting transylvania uh, transylvania is a really good team they're they're well coached um so so for us to kind of uh, win that game at home. We were down by 17 in, in the wow. early second quarter. Uh, we had them taking the lead at halftime. Then we kind of had a big third quarter and hung on there at the end. Uh, so just you know the, those kind of wins and, and, and just the uh, the players we have, I think is is the is the uh, biggest reason for it. So now the season essentially gets real, as it were. Um, we're talking to you prior to, but this is airing after you've started OAC conference play with a game against Otterbein. You also have Baldwin Wallace and John Carroll in Wilmington that's still ahead. Uh, oh, by the way, conference season has started, as it were, and it's not going to start easily necessarily. But you do have a fascinating out-of-conference schedule. Amongst the four we mentioned, Adrian, Transylvania, Denison, and Wittenberg, you'll then play Washington and Jefferson before the Christmas break. Then you go play at Otterbein, and you're going to play Calvin and Case Western Reserve. You aren't shying away from anybody. Yeah, we we. Late last year, when I was putting the schedule together, I was hoping to get some non-conference games that were really going to push us. Uh, because last year we did really well non-conference-wise, but uh, we started off I think five and one non-conference-wise. We win the OAC, uh, and then we started out one and five in the OAC. So it didn't really prepare us as well <laughs> as I hoped it did. So so this year, you know, playing. You know, going on the road to Adrian five hours that 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 kind of kind of built some character for us, and then hosting Transylvania, uh, that was a big one, and then then, then Denison's got a really good program up there, so being able able to kind of uh, beat them on the scoreboard by outscoring them, not a whole lot lot of defense from us that game. They're making they're making a ton of shots on us in, in Wittenberg, and then after we uh, we kind of start the OAC play here with with uh, those uh, four schools. W and J, I think they're picked for second in their league. They always have a really good program. I think Calvin's, you know, one of the most historic teams in all of Division Three. And then, and then Case Western is going to be really tough too. So mm-hmm. 
we're trying to set ourselves up if if, uh, if if things don't kind of go our way at the end of February, we, we could hopefully still you know get get a pool seabed in the NCAA tournament, which would be on the reel for us. So we're playing those those non-conference schools to, to hopefully get us ready for OAC. But if something that doesn't go our way, you know, the end of February there, we should hopefully uh, you know still be in the conversation for that. It's amazing how many people have changed that conversation. There wasn't that long ago that coaches said. You know, we just got to go out there and win, and, and we don't care about the data. And now everybody makes sure that they've got the data in front of them. Even a program like yours, it's still kind of, quote-unquote, up and coming. Um, speaking of up and coming, how do you keep this team now kind of on balance, on focus, um, maybe even keeled to some degree? Because, you know, you are breaking out to a 4-0 start with good wins, especially over Transylvania. You now get into conference play. And you've been ranked in the top 25 for the first time ever. If if I know a team well, they're beyond excited, they're thrilled, they're happy. But how do you keep them focused now on the fact that hey, we still have to play? Our our leadership is is awesome here. Uh, starts with, with with our point guard Amisha. Uh, she is probably one of the most focused people I've ever been a part of. She doesn't doesn't get too high with everything. She she stays even keeled. She is just locked in and having having a really good year here. And that's how she's been ever since she's been on campus. Uh, the rest of our seniors, Brooks locked in, Jenna's locked in, Mars locked in. We had a senior go down the night before the first practice, and 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 they all want they all want to do something something special here. So uh, they are they're you're right. They're really happy to, to, to be ranked here and, and, and getting that recognition. But now they know, hey, it's time for OAC play, uh, and we we got to keep this going so we can we can stay stay in, in, in that top twenty five as long as we can. Yeah, so you can live up to the expectations, yep. as yep. it were. Hey, uh, speaking of, it's, I find you fascinating saying hyper focused is is your guard, and we'll talk about the team in a moment uh you did know shirley egner pretty well um shirley i find is a rather focused individual um we should point out your your road to this job is not exactly the per normal one Uh, i know a young man who's trying to do this himself you didn't play at stevens point you didn't play under bob semling or anybody else you certainly didn't play under shirley egner obviously (laughs) um but you were a manager with them and that kind of started your road into the coaching realm can you guys can you give us a little bit of a synopsis of how this kind of turned and weaved and and got you all the way to marietta yeah, so it started out when I was in high school. I was actually dating Shirley's niece. Uh, so <laughs> that was we, mistake we were, number one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so we we were dating for a few years. I was actually at at uh, Platteville, just being a student down there. Uh, was kind of getting the experience of college I wanted, but I was going to a lot of Stevens Point uh, games. Games kind of kind of watched her team, talked to her a little bit. She she was more than gracious enough to offer me a spot as a manager. Uh, so I was filming uh, games uh, when when they were playing. I was running running the uh, clock for them during practice. Uh, so I did that for three years, and then going into my last year, uh, she offered me a spot as a student assistant. So then I I, I kind of got into more of the coaching stuff, um, doing some on the court drills with players, doing 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 some some uh, guard workouts with them, uh, breaking down some film. Uh, so that so that was pretty special. Then at the end of my uh, student assistant year, wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So Shirley was awesome. She she, she kind of she got me this graduate assistant at, at Stevens Point for uh, education. So I was in grad school. So I was going to grad school. I was, I was I was working with her, and I just learned so much from her about how prepared you have to be, all the detail that goes into it. Uh, you know the relationships that that, that that she has to have with players so you can get the most out of them. Uh, so my my time at Stevens Point was 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 awesome. Me and me and Shirley are still still really close. I always follow what they're doing. She sends me texts after we have big wins. Um, so, 
I, I, I wouldn't have been been here without her. So it's it's nice to have a mentor like that, mm-hmm. uh, like, like she was for me. Certainly, and obviously, uh, I love how you said you were bumped up to the head coaching position. I'm quite sure you had something to do with that. <laughs> Um, whether you decided to accept the job or apply for the job. I don't think necessarily you got bumped. Um, But you are at Marietta. And something else that I find fascinating, it's not always the case, but I do see it sometimes. When one program succeeds, it sometimes trickles into the other program. It's not foolproof, excuse me, but we see a lot of programs that one program starts to succeed and the other one kind of catches on. Obviously, the men's program at Marietta has been successful for a number of years now. Is it fair to say that has trickled over into your program, or are you two just on different wavelengths that happen to be coming together at the same time? No, John. John helps us a ton. Uh, when when uh, he first came here as a head coach, their their program wasn't you know nowhere near near it is now. So um, when I came here in, in uh, 2012, you know he was he was help, helping our head coach, uh, Coach Strider, a ton. Uh, when, when when I became the head coach, he, he he helps me with everything, you know, bounce ideas off, you know, how, how to kind of handle some situations, uh, the, the 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 way that he holds his players accountable uh, for everything that, that they're doing. That that rolled over to us. Uh, so it, it's it's really safe to say that that I'll, I'll, you know our success. Um, it's it, it, it's def it's definitely bled over from from their success about about how we do things and just the relationships that uh, we we have with their staff. That's fascinating. And again, it's not foolproof everywhere. I've seen a number of programs where one or the other succeeds and the other one just doesn't catch on. Um, but I also find that the ones that do have to have great relationships with each other. Now, Marietta is not exactly located in a bustling metropolis. Uh, we all know Marietta, Ohio, or if you don't, you should learn about Marietta, Ohio, on the river banks, on the banks of the river, Ohio. Um, so you guys almost feel like, and I've been to the town a few times, it feels like you two programs have to kind of come together to appreciate one another because there, there are literally no other distractions and there's nowhere else to lean on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just the, when, whenever we we have ever have a road game and you know we're successful, he'll send he'll send me a text. Our you know, do do the same for them. Our players are are really, really close with, with each other. And whenever you know there's a non-conference game or there's a, there's a doubleheader or anything, our players are always in the stand supporting them. Uh, they're in the stand stand supporting us. So I mean, just the 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 community here with 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 how. We support each other. How the rest of the community uh, comes up because you said there, there, there's sometimes there's some nights where there's not a whole lot going on. So you know, basketball is the only the only thing really, uh, you know, you know, happen in town here. Uh, it's it, it's pretty special. By the way, we should point out Shirley's niece was instrumental in getting you into this career. <laughs> yep. uh, in the fact that she dated you, we should yep. point out though that she's no longer in in your dating life. No, no, but we're, we're we're still close though. She she was she sent me a few texts yesterday after after we we got in the top twenty five. So oh, that's cool. Uh, yep, yep. Well, coach, um, I'm fascinated. Uh, I knew the men's program was doing well, and and but to see the women's program leap in uh, after four good games and really a tough schedule ahead in in a good way, I was fascinated and certainly wanted to chat with you. Let's quickly talk about the team before we let you go though, because you talk about the senior leadership. And you do have four seniors on this squad, three of them starting. But it's also the underclassmen who have stepped up here, and it's a mix. Um, Corey Burkhart's leading the team at 12.8 points a game as a junior. Then have um, Amisha Hurd, as you pointed out, the senior at 12.3 points a game. Mm-hmm. and eh, Just four and a half assists a game. You know, yeah. It's a minor little number. Uh, Brooke Borch, uh, 11.3 points a game. Shea Lett at 10 points a game. And then two who are nearly in double figures, Alexis Enox and Jenna Anderson. You, you've 
it is senior leadership, and that is certainly helping you. But I also just mentioned a bunch of juniors as well. Yeah, the, the, those juniors. Uh, when when our seniors were, were were freshmen, I think we went nine and seventeen, and then and then you know some some things started to change about ball how how we we, we kind of uh, started developing programs. So those freshmen that first year, a lot of things changed. And Corey came in here, uh, wasn't wasn't real highly recruited, uh, but she gets better better every year. I mean, she just she just has an attitude about her where uh, she's kind of got this, this quiet confidence about her. She loves to compete. Uh, you know, Shay Shay works works her tail off. She didn't play a whole lot of freshman year, stuck with the process. Played a lot more last year. Now, now she's she was started one of our best players, um, and 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 and, and Alexis is, is, is going to be one of the best players in the conference. Just the, the, the way that she can shoot outside, she can score inside. But they they all kind of kind of fed off that those seniors because those seniors kind of put down a vision of, of what they were looking for in the program. So then Corey bought into it, uh, Shea bought into it, uh, you know Joe bought into it, Alexis bought into it. So. It's it's so nice being a head coach where you don't have to worry about every little thing on the team because those seniors take take care of it and and the way, way those juniors kind of bought in didn't they didn't try to rock the boat because uh, they wanted to have the same success that those seniors wanted to have um, then it just just uh, trickles on down so when you kind of have have that kind of leadership everybody kind of falls in, in in the line under that that's when that's when some 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 really remarkable things can happen I should point out too every one of them I mentioned is a pretty solid free throw shooter in their own right though early numbers are hard to gauge yep. they are missing they're making far more than they're missing and don't put Shay Lett on the line she's gonna she's gonna hurt you yep. um, so it, there's a lot of advantages with this team. But let me get back to it one more time. You have a tough schedule ahead. The four games are nice, but you got a lot of work ahead of you guys. What's the? I, I ask this a lot, and because I find it fascinating. What's the message to the team? We we really want want, want to do well in, in in the conference. I mean, the the, the, the non conference schedule was kind of designed to, to get us ready for conference, but they they want to they want they want to get get a ring. They they want to put a banner up on the wall. We we've never we've never won a conference title here, so that's kind of kind of their goal. They've been pushing through that all summer, uh, all fall here, and and we we're putting ourselves in good position for that with with the way we're we're doing, but. Uh, you know the the top twenty five rankings awesome all, all that stuff that kind of comes with that but but they really want want to leave a legacy here and put a banner on that wall so that's what they're they're locked in and now with with conference play starting I mean this it, it, it becomes even more focused on that so they know how important every practice is how every possession in, in, in the game is um, so that's kind of kind of the the, the message that, that that we're going for uh, with that is is, is is trying to trying to get some hardware. Mm-hmm. Well, and that is the perfect way to end this one. Uh, congratulations on a terrific start. Congratulations to your team. Obviously focused. Look forward to seeing. I don't expect a perfect road. We'll see what the bumps uh, present themselves, but we look forward to seeing how the rest of the season transpires nonetheless. Uh, you may not be aware, but we all, we have a tradition on the show. We always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you would like to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh Thanks for having having us having us on. Uh, I, I appreciate it a ton. We we got a good thing going here, and we're, we're going to look to keep 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 it rocking here the rest of the year. Well, thanks, Coach. Take care of yourselves, and good luck the rest of the way. All right, thank you very much. He is Cole Vivian joining us from Marietta Women's Basketball Program. Once again, thanks to Cole Vivian for taking the time to join us. Fascinating to see how a lot of these programs have men's and women's programs that are synonymously good. And now the women's program at Marietta seems to have taken that giant leap forward. Again, we're talking two or three wins back in 2009, 2010, 
You're talking about 10 wins consistently from 2011 through 14. Now they're starting to break through the next ceiling, as it were. 16 and 11 last season, off to a 4-0 start when we recorded this. Fascinating to see how they're going to change the, the dynamic of the OAC now that they apparently are pretty good. We'll see how long they also stay in the top 25. Good stretch ahead. Otterbein, Baldwin, Wallace, John Carroll, Wilmington. Then Washington, Jefferson, Calvin, and Case Western Reserve to close out the 2017 part of their schedule. When we come back, we'll take a break from the coaches, talk to a former All-American. Sam Boris Smith joins me. You might remember his exploits at Rochester. Talks about why his passion for Division Three continues despite being off the court now. He'll also describe why the European experiment did not work and what he's doing now, not only for Division Three and for us at D3 Sports, but what he's doing as a career. Sam Boris Smith joins me here when we come back. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this audio-only podcast on this Thursday evening or whenever you happen to be tuning in. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to the show. I'm going to take a moment away from teams right now and talk to a former All-American. Sam Smith contacted me a few months ago about a brainstorm that he had, an idea that he wanted to do to promote Division Three student-athletes and to have student-athletes take on a little bit of, a, of an ownership or a pride in what they do to showcase themselves, for a lack of a better description. We have the YD3 hashtag, and at one time, if anybody knows me, we had the YD3 show, something maybe we can bring back someday. But he wanted to do more. He didn't want to take a shot at Division One. He didn't want to take a shot at D2 or dem- demean those. But he wanted to promote D3 more and let the student-athletes promote themselves more. He came up with this idea. Talent runs deep. He's right. We all know there's a lot of talent in Division Three, And so it does run deep. So Sam had an idea. He came to, to me. I ended up pushing it up the food chain. And if you've been following D3 football, you know it has been launched. It will be coming to D3 Hoops very soon. As a result, I was curious about what kind of drove him to this idea and also why we aren't seeing him playing in Europe right now. Sam Boris Smith certainly decided to answer all of those questions for me. Now joining me on the Hoopsville Hotline, it is the former Rochester All-American and Sam Boris Smith joins me. Hey, Sam, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me, Dave. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, we should point out, uh, taking advantage of the opportunity that you're stuck in Los Angeles traffic to chat with you here, uh, might be the only time you're not moving around. Yeah, for real. It's pretty hectic uh, aside from this, but right now it's pretty stagnant to say the least. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of um, a lot of people may remember you and your team, certainly the magical run last season to the Elite Eight and knocking on the doorstep of the Final Four. Of course, you had a tremendous career at Rochester and All-American honors. 
and certainly a lot of eyes on the program, kind of resurrected the Yellow Jackets program. Not that it was ever bad. I don't want to say that, but you guys kind of helped bring it back into the national spotlight a little bit. You got to be proud with the with the years you put in there in, in upstate New York. Yeah, so I know uh, coming into Rochester as a freshman, I, I remember uh, the John DeBarlameo era. era. They, he made them, uh, he led them to a, the first uh, national ranking for a while, and then uh, my freshman and sophomore year, we kind of went a little downhill, and then junior and senior year turned things around and yeah, ended on a high note. It wasn't the exact ending we wanted, but you know we knew we were capable of a run like that, and uh, yeah, it was a great end for sure. A lot of people might be surprised you're not overseas playing somewhere. I know you and I have talked uh, in the past off air, and you did take a stab at the overseas thing without diving too far into it. What, what exactly was your experience, and, and what was the outcome? So I signed to play with a team in Dusseldorf, Germany. And uh, to make a long story short, I went there. Um, it's a beautiful place. Nothing really bad happened. Uh, just wasn't the right fit for me. Uh, my gut was telling me, hey. This isn't your calling anymore, even though I thought it was for the last 5, 10, 15 so years. But uh, now I'm back home, and I, I got a new job, and I'm, I'm loving it and can't complain. Yeah, that's that's the key here. Uh, again, not, don't want to dive into the details necessarily, but sometimes it's not the right fit. But I'm curious, do you think it's you're, you're done? Do you think there's a calling to maybe try another, another location? Or are you are you satisfied that your career is, is technically come to a close? I would say I'm pretty satisfied, honestly. I don't think my, my career as, you know, being involved in basketball is at a close. I do want to, you know, work within sports, specifically basketball at some point, whether that's maybe coaching again or, or training or, you know, maybe even working for a, some team in the NBA, you know, in the front office or something. But as far as playing, you know, my body is a little beat up as well. But, um, yeah, I think, I think it may be coming to a close. But, you know, I've, I've had a great uh, few few years a great run and you know couldn't ask for anything any better you say came back home we should point out uh we're talking to you as we mentioned in la you're from california you're from southern california san san pedro uh to be exact so one begs the question first what brought you to rochester um i was getting recruited by some schools on the east coast and i actually did a year of prep school at this school called the lawrenceville school in new jersey um, just to get, you know, an extra year because I was a little undersized, need to get some strength up, and, you know, it wouldn't have hurt to have a, an extra year under my belt of, you know, maturity physically and mentally. And long story short, Rochester was just a perfect fit. I know the weather's a little different from where I'm from, but it was, uh, you know, it was everything and more, and it was great for years. We should point out for anybody familiar with the prep school situation, he calls it a step, step year. Others may call it a postgraduate year, PG year. I certainly was familiar with that with my uh, boarding school, uh, prep school days. Um, of course, now you're back home, as you point out, now in L.A. Uh, and working. And it's kind of that job and your passion for what became D3 that led us to what we talked with Pat about on Sunday's show, and that was D3 Talent. I, I remember when you first contacted me, first I was blown away that I was getting an email from a guy who was an All-American the year before. Usually we don't hear much from the guys after the after their careers come to a close. They all have lives. We get it. But what was this? Feels like something was simmering in you for a while. What what kind of was the the breakthrough, as it were? We'll get into the details of why you think D three talent is something that needs to be out there. But I'm curious about what was the breakthrough that made you a come up with the idea and b decide to actually email us about it. I think a lot of it first trickles down from the tournament run. Honestly, um, you know, my my four years there, I've met a lot of people who 
you know, went on to play professionally. You got John in Israel. You got Flannery in Spain and, and Ty. He's in, I think, Denmark it is. But um, realistically, I think it's just my whole experience at Rochester made me realize, hey, you know, talent truly does run deep within D3. You know, I got friends right now who are engineers. You know, like I said earlier, I got friends who are playing professionally. And I just think, uh, you know, Division Three as a whole didn't really get the notoriety of how great it really is and the work ethic some Division Three athletes have, you know, in the classroom and out of it. So I think after school, you know, I had the, the time. I'm actually working now in advertising. And, you know, I kind of wanted to mix two and two together and, you know, come up with something. And this honestly didn't take long to come up with at all because I think it's very, very uh, easy. And a lot of D3, you know, people like yourself and the players and the coaches, they are all on the same page too. So I think... You know, it all worked out pretty, pretty, uh, pretty easily. So let's back up a little bit, and and you talk about the the run in the in the tournament that kind of started this idea. We'll get to more of the nuances in a minute, but you know, it, it, you you wanted to make sure when you talked to me about it that you didn't want to belittle any other division. You didn't want to make it a rah rah necessarily for Division Three. Like, hey, look at us. What was the inspiration behind this D three talent idea? What what is your maybe ultimate goal with this that you want to make sure people understand, get across, and maybe the student athletes can appreciate? Uh, well, like you said, you know, it's not bashing D1, D2, or NAIA. NAIA excuse me. Uh, it's more of kind of like a you know uniting Division Three as a whole and all throughout all sports. And I think it's just you know the public perception of what Division Three sports truly is is not actually what it honestly is as a player you know i know what goes on behind the scenes and and everything and uh you know being from the west coast especially division three when you when, when i told my friends hey i'm playing d3 at this school they're like wait what's the, what exactly is division three you know what i mean so it kind of uh gives rise to what you know d3 is what it stands for and honestly just uh raises awareness as well but also bringing together you know the players and families the coaches everyone involved in division three athletics I think we always talk about the YD3 movement that's certainly out there and still still persists and talking about why we appreciate Division 3. Division 2 is famous for having their catchphrases, as it were. D3 certainly has the three words, dedicate, uh, uh, et cetera, that, that define the division. But we never really talk to the student-athletes about what does YD3 mean, or in, in this case, what does D3 talent mean? So from your perspective, having just been a student-athlete and having certainly talked to a number of them as well, what does it really mean? I would say, you know, especially coming from Rochester, because it, it honestly does feel like a D1 program at some point. I would say in terms of why D3, it's, you know, people go D3 for, one, the academic experiences. You know, you come out, you know, get a, get a great job, get great job offers, whatever you want to say it is. Um, but also, you know, you get to experience college, you get to dive deep into a variety of things. You know, I, I actually was able to get an internship a few years ago, which, you know, if I was playing at a D1 or D2 school, you know, that would have been different. So I think it's a little bit of, you know, people choose D3 because, one, it challenges themselves, you know, in the classroom, outside of the classroom, and even during the summer if you're trying to get an internship or whatever it may be. You know, but it also it really helps people find their true their true niche, you know what I mean? So it's uh, it could be, honestly, a ton of things, which is similar to Talent Runs Deep. It's a very broad reason. But for me personally, it was just a very big growing experience, which is why D3 was the perfect fit. 
Hey, you talk about the talent runs deep, and we certainly see that. And guys like yourself and Joey Flannery, we can certainly go back into our into our archives and talk about the Ben Strongs, Tyler Sandborns, Jeff Gibbs of the world, um, guys who have certainly done well. And we're not even talking about NBA players in this mix necessarily, who have certainly been D three spotlights, as it were. What do you want student athletes to do now with this talent runs deep mentality and D3 talent mentality. Yeah, the hashtag's nice. There, there is certainly a, a good push there, and we can raise awareness through social media. But what do you want student athletes to do? How do you want them to embrace this? Um, you know, kind of challenge themselves. You know, uh, whether that's balancing a lot of things within their sport or, or their their classroom, whatever it may be. But you know, go that extra yard, go that extra foot, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, expand more, learn about your, more about yourself and, and challenge yourself every day because, you know, you know, if you're not challenging yourself, you're staying stagnant. And the more you stay stagnant, the more, you know, you're not going anywhere. So it's more of like a, of a growing process, but also, you know, be proud of being a Division three player because a lot of people who don't know about it, they say, oh, it's Division three. It's just the highest division. It's, it's not that special, whereas, you know, it's actually the complete opposite. So it's a, it's a mixture of embracing it, challenging themselves, and, uh, you know, just uh, being true to the name and, and showing that talent truly runs deep on and off the floor. Of course, this whole thing has a, a component to it that's also a little bit different than the YD3 campaign and such. You, there's 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 clothing line, as it were, for for the for lack of a better description. Part of your whole idea when you presented it to me and I passed it up the food chain, as it were, was you wanted to do something where if this isn't just a hashtag, but students can student athletes or coaches or families or whatever can can purchase gear. And wear that proudly and almost promote themselves to some degree. Can you give us a background on why, and of course your job probably has a lot to do with this, why that aspect is so important? Well, exactly like you said, you know, they're promoting themselves, they're representing Division Three, and uh, just expanding, you know, the awareness overall. So uh, as far as going on social media and different various platforms, excuse me, um, you know, you can only do so much that way. But if you see someone wearing a shirt, they may they may say, "Oh, hey, I like the shirt. I'm going to get it too." And they may not even be a Division three player or, or, you know, relevant to it whatsoever. But they like the concept. It can expand more that way. And uh, you know, it's a variety of things. Plus, the clothing I think looks pretty cool. Um, I think I only had a little bit of say on that, but I did help with the logo, which is which I was uh, proud and happy to do so. But um, you know, it's just, it's just another way of expanding it, and you know. Just stating, hey, I'm a Division Three product. You know, I want to let people know that. I want to prove people wrong because they think differently about Division Three. When you, because so this launched, it launched with football, and it's starting to come into the hoop side of things now that our season is underway. Have you gotten any feedback? Um, I have yet to get feedback. I think it only launched two weeks ago. Yeah. But I was going to check uh, with Pat actually this week. Um, but as far as, you know, how the Twitter's going, uh, that seems to be catching a, a good amount of followers to start, and, and it's only uphill from there. So, um, so far, so good. But as far as numbers are concerned, I'm not too sure, but I'm hoping to get a better answer in the next few days. So besides the D3 talent, what are you doing with yourselves these days? So I work at this advertising agency called uh, David and Goliath. It's in El Segundo. It's right next to LAX, actually. And I'm working as an account coordinator for – Kia. So Kia is one of our clients, um, along with like Jack in the Box. Um, we got Pop Chips. We got California Lottery. Except there's a there's a handful, but 
I'm strictly on Kia, which is cool because we have LeBron James. We work closely with sports marketing, and uh, they're up and coming. Well, not even up and coming. They've they've had a lot of success in the last few years, and um, I'm learning a lot. Have a lot to learn, and you know, can't can't honestly complain. The place is awesome. I'm loving it. Have you met the Kia hamsters yet? Uh, it's funny you say that. I actually just worked on a project relevant to that, and uh, <laughs> so yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 are you required now to drive a Kia? Um, not yet, but I know they they do recommend it. I know Kia's are actually pretty nice cars. The more I the more I've gotten to know them, but as of now, I'm still riding the same old uh, car I have from high school, a little beat down. So, <laughs> you gonna get a chance to to maybe go one on one with LeBron? That would be the dream, honestly. I'd have to put on for the Lakers though and try to persuade him to come uh, back west. So yeah, maybe spark up a or something. <laughs> maybe put on a D three talent and then do and maybe get past it. If you could do that, that video would be nice. That would be awesome. Yeah, that would that that'd be great. <laughs> if he blocks it, we don't need to see the video, Sam. Well, it's pretty impressive. Uh, I'll admit, when I got the email from you again, I was kind of blown away. I'm like, what am I getting an email from Sam Bor Smith about? Uh, and then when I read it, I'm like, well, this is intriguing. No one's kind of taken on this idea. Um, I kind of get the sense from all of this, from your background, from this D3 talent, that um, we may be able to to make a nice partnership with you and maybe even get some more out of you. Cause I love the fact that we're getting your point of view on it as a former student athlete and barely former student athlete of division three. Does, does the idea of trying to do this over the long term intrigue you? Oh, definitely. You know, if there's, if we have great success in the, in the upcoming few weeks, months, year or so, you know, I'm, I'm always, you know, for making it be a more prolonged, know experience you know if, if it's if it's working then yeah definitely of course i would love to know them the new ideas and when they come across your your desk as it were maybe we can call kia and see if they can help <laughs> us out to some degree yeah, <laughs> well sam I, I appreciate you coming on uh i know you probably missed the game a little bit uh your yellow jacket's certainly off to a pretty decent start though i know they miss you um on that note, though, we always finish our interviews with allowing the guests to get the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who uh, may be tuning in? Uh, yeah, the Yellow Jackets this year, they're, they're looking very well. I know we have a lot of, a lot of depth moving forward. we got Wittig still leading the charge. Uh, Klamish has been phenomenal. It's great seeing him uh, you know, do what he's doing. But in relevance, the talent runs deep. It, it's true about the Yellow Jackets roster this year. We have so much talent on the bench as well. Uh, you know, exciting things that happened this year, and you know, I'm looking forward. I actually saw they were uh, 15th at the rankings this morning. Correct? Correct. Correct. Yeah, and hopefully only uphill from here. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, looking forward to it. And a few uh, few tough games coming up for them, though. But I think we'll be all right. Awesome. Well, hey, I appreciate you taking the time in LA traffic to join us on this uh, special podcast. Uh, good luck uh, enjoying the weather, at least. And thanks for the <laughs> idea. And we look forward to working with you and chatting with you in the future. No problem, Dave. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. He is Sam Smith. He is a former All-American at Rochester, again, leading them nearly to the promised land last season. Fun to watch him play. It's now fun to work with him behind the scenes. We'll talk more about with uh, Sam in the future, I'm sure, and we'll talk plenty more about D3 talent and talent runs deep in the future as well. Once again, thanks to Sam Smith for joining us. I know those at Rochester are certainly proud of him. I'm sure his family and friends are proud of him. Doing very well there in Southern California. Can't feel sorry for a man 
in Southern California, the weather's always nice, despite the fact he talked to us while stuck in traffic. I almost feel like you're perpetually stuck in traffic. I have experienced it at 5 in the morning on a Saturday in Southern California. It is what it is. But Sam coming up with a great idea. We appreciate him taking the time. Looking forward to seeing where this D3 talent thing evolves and where it goes from here. If you want more information, let us know. Again, look for it on D3 Hoops. You can also find it on D3 Football. We'll continue to promote it as well. But thanks to Sam, and congratulations on what his career has become. Miss him off the, off the court. Would love to see him playing in Europe, but I totally get it. Sometimes these things just don't, don't work out. And I'm glad Sam Boris Smith had the opportunity to discover what he wanted to do himself. Certainly a great story nonetheless. When we come back, we'll jump back into men's basketball. Talk to two teams that I've got a lot of questions about. The Wartburg and Illinois Wesleyan men. Am I missing something? Or is the team's got... Am I missing something? Maybe I've just completely missed the boat on these two teams. Well, it's early in the season, so I get a chance to fix that. But first, I want to talk to their head coaches. We'll start with Wartburg. Find out what makes the nights start to the season so spectacular. You're listening to Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com. For the WBCA and ABC studios, more after this. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game when he shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no look pass and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. You can always interact with us on social media. Uh, Instagram and Twitter both are at D3Hoopsville, at D3Hoopsville, or use the hashtag Hoopsville. You can always interact with us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, and you can always email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. If you've got story ideas or guest ideas, we love them too, but we also love questions for our Hoopsville mailbag if you happen to have one. A question, that is. I'm sure everybody has a mailbag of some degree, right? All right, let's switch into men's basketball, and we're going to talk about two teams that either I'm missing the boat on or I'm just patiently waiting on. We'll start with Wartburg. I might be missing the boat. I'll freely admit it. Last season, they made a miraculous run in the NCAA tournament, but let's keep a couple facts in order here. They aren't in the NCAA tournament if they don't make a miraculous run in the IAC tournament that gets them the automatic qualifier and gets them in. They don't get in if they lose in the championship game. They don't get in if they lose in the semifinals. They aren't in the NCAA tournament if they don't win the AQ to get them in that tournament. That is a fact. As a result, they then went on a miraculous tear last season, finishing 21-10, and 10, it turned out, thanks to their wins in the NCAA tournament over Benedictine, and it wasn't close, 92-66, over River Falls. It also wasn't close on the road at River Falls, 76-43, before Augustana finally ended the dream, 80-69, in the round of 16. As a result, a lot of voters fell in love with Wartburg. Ranked him pretty high in the final top 25 last year. Ranked him 
in the top 25 at the beginning of this year, despite the fact how much they lost from a team that wasn't even going to be in the postseason conversation if they didn't get hot at the right time. So as a result, I hadn't voted for Wartburg in the preseason, and I didn't vote for Wartburg when they started 4-1 and in the first week, but also because they played three teams I don't know that well. One of them, obviously Northern Iowa, I kind of know, but didn't expect to win. And then they played Graceland of Iowa and Waldorf. We don't know what these pro programs bring to the table. Their only wins in Division Three: Crown and Aurora. Crown is 3-2 and two as of the time we're recording the show, and Aurora 3-2 and two as well. Okay, maybe they're decent wins. Am I missing something? How did they jump to 14th in the poll if someone like myself is not even voting for them? And I might not be the only one, or maybe I am. So I'll admit, I might be missing something with the Knights. Well, who are they? What makes them tick? Are they maybe better than last year? Let's find out from the head coach. Now joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline it is the nationally ranked, 14th ranked Wartburg Knights and their head coach, Dick Paith. Coach, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us, Dave. Absolutely. First and foremost, congratulations on a terrific start to the season in comparison to the fact that you had a terrific finish to last season. It's almost like you guys picked up where you left off. Well, it was very concerning for us uh, going into this year, being that uh, we lost three starters in the guard court for us a year ago. Uh, two of those guys were each 1,000-point scores in all West Region players. So uh, some of the new guys uh, coming into the program, as well as the returnees, we, we had some concern about them, uh, you know, being able to, to hold up their own and, and achieve um, – just just a, a different level of, of play, if you will. And, um, you know, so far, so good. It's, it's been uh, a good start for us. But those guys are assuming those new roles fairly well. That's kind of where I'm sitting. Um, you're 14th in the country. I'm not voting for you, to be honest, as I kind of said already. So what am I missing maybe? You did lose all this talent from last year's squad. To, to be blunt, we all know that you got into the NCAA tournament thanks to the AQ or we're not even having this conversation. You do go on a magical run, but you lost so much. So I was kind of torn. I'm like, well, you know, I don't really know where to go with this night squad. Everybody else seems to know where to go with the night squad. What am I missing? What, what From your vantage point, if what would you tell me as a top 25 voter as the reasons I should be voting for you? Well, I, I'm not 100% sure on that, Dave. Maybe you've been in our practices, and maybe that's what, what uh, everybody else is missing. But those, those guys that came off the bench for us a year ago have been fantastic thus far. They're shooting the ball extremely well from the perimeter. Uh, one of those guys actually uh, made eight threes, tied a school record in our, our classic that we played this past weekend on Friday night. And uh, with that said, we also have a freshman that was player of the year in the Cedar Rapids area uh, from a year ago that's doing a tremendous job for us as well. So it just appears that our chemistry is really good and that we have four starters all scoring anywhere from 11 to 14 points per game. Yeah, those four starters, uh, starting with Nate West, at, at as, I say, as I say his last name correctly? Wasty. Wasty. See, it's a little more complicated. 13.8 sure. points a game. Uh, Sawyer Herman at 12.4. Cam Kickbush at 11.2. And Jaron Sabas at 10.8. That's outstanding contribution for essentially the first three games of the season, or really two games in Division Three. You lost to Northern Iowa to start the season at 72 43. 
Uh, then you beat Crown and Aurora at home, and then you played two more games against non-Division three opponents. We'll get into that a little bit in a minute. But back to the team. Four guys in double figures. Most of these guys are, are guys who are coming off the bench last season. You talked about their experience, but how much is this also um, maybe – finding i hate to say it lightning in a bottle maybe you just you found the right group of guys at the right time well uh for instance uh jaron sabas who's uh, right at right under 11 points per game uh this year a fourth leading score uh in the semifinals of the conference tournament a year ago came off the bench and uh scored 20 some points mm. the first half finished with 35 so <laughs> He's a he's a proven guy, um, you know. All last year, year before, and and now he's again being thrown into a different role. And and I think we have a good mix of guys who are very attack conscious as well as guys who can shoot the ball well from the perimeter. When you when we. I guess the other part of my question of this top 25 is looking at this beginning schedule. Two of your five opponents are Division Three, and obviously we know Division Three, so we know Crown and Aurora, and you beat Crown by three in a high-scoring game, beat Aurora handily. It's the Northern Iowa, Graceland, and Waldorf games that caused me as a voter to go, I don't know them as well, so I don't know how to gauge the fact that they got smoked by Northern Iowa. I guess I do know how to gauge that one. That's that's all fair. But Graceland and Wardolf, I'm not used to you not playing Division Three opponents. So how do you gauge those victories in your in your I guess in your office as it were? Well, let's just go back first and foremost to the UNI game. Yeah. You know, we we thank uh, Coach Jacobson and his staff and UNI for allowing our guys to come down there and, and play. They're 20 minutes away, and we all know, you know, what a great program they have. And they have many, many Iowa players on their team. So it's a chance for our guys who uh, went head-to-head during the high school days as well as the AAU circuit to be on a big stage, uh, you know, once a year. And so – Many thanks to them. We actually hung in there in that game for quite a while. I think it was a five or six point game at half and and uh, got to about a two point game with about uh, 13, 14 minutes left. And, and I don't think we made a field goal the remaining seven or eight minutes of the game. So it got away from us, but give credit to you and I for the way they played down the stretch. Um, the other thing is with our schedule, having – two NAI scholarship programs on our schedule for this year. We wanted to challenge our guys. So uh, three of the first five games are against scholarship teams, and we don't feel we can challenge our guys any better than that uh, going into the start of the conference schedule. Just curious, are you nervous, though, when this comes to at-large, if you're in that situation, that there's a couple games that technically aren't going to be counting for much? I, I don't really worry about that. Okay. If you know it all play out the way it should, and if we take care of business the way we should, uh, we have plenty of teams on that schedule that you know will be countable games. And um, I'm, I'm not really worked up about it. You know, we have Eau Claire on the schedule yeah. yet later, a WIAC team, uh, Lacrosse. Uh, we have UW Stevens Point, uh, Augsburg out of the MIAC. So there's many, many non-conference games on that schedule that are set up to really challenge our guys yeah nice segue because that's where i was headed next was what you do have on your schedule we should point out we're talking to you before but this is airing after you're playing dubuque as you get into conference action you do have eau claire coming up this weekend you then get back into conference play with a game against loris then you're uh, at home against lacrosse before the holiday break then we get to see you at south point in Las Vegas, take on Stevens Point and Augsburg, and then you'll return home and get into, into conference play. So to be honest with you, counting the NAIA scholarship programs, this is a pretty 
pretty good schedule, pretty competitive schedule for you guys. You can learn a lot with this in the non-conference. Well, again, with the way we finished a year ago, Dave, uh, we wanted to do everything we could to challenge our guys. And that's the reason for our schedule and strength of schedule, if you will, playing the scholarship programs. And, you know, also, you know, we have to take into consideration that, you know, where we traveled this weekend was an hour and a half away. And, you know, our guys could get back and forth from campus in between and and it just was really set up uh the way that we wanted it to be at this this point in time in the season we again three wisconsin schools will certainly help the conversation what do you expect though from this conference this conference has changed a lot in the last couple of years it's always been a top heavy conference bill that top always changes <laughs> some <laughs> of the years it's buena vista sometimes it's you guys uh sometimes it's somebody else who might make their appearance like a loris or a simpson it's always ever-changing. But since Nebraska Wesleyan has entered the fray, and even before they entered the fray, this conference got a little deeper at the top, got a little bit more competitive. At least that's my point of view from thousands of miles away on the, uh, on the eastern side of the United States. Is that a fair representation, and what do you expect this season? Well, absolutely it's fair. Um, our conference did extremely well with their non-conference schedules a year ago against other uh, D3 conferences. Along with that, uh, the parity in our league is more so than it's ever been. It's, it's stronger than it's ever been. So with those two things said, I think on any given night, you know, anybody um, can beat one another. And um, we don't look at there's just one or two teams that are going to challenge for a title each and every year, but uh, everybody has those capabilities. When you look at the, you know, the travel's a little bit interesting in the conference. We all know that. You could go anywhere from a two-hour trip to about six, I want to say. I don't remember your specific travel pattern, as it were. But when you look at that in the, at the height of the winter, how challenging is it sometimes um, to, to get games at the right time, to get your team up for games, and then maybe have to deal with postponements or delays or, or the like? Well, it can certainly make an impact, uh, especially – when we're playing Wednesday, Saturdays, you know, you concern yourself about our student athletes, if you will, you know, being gone too many Wednesdays and, and missing a Wednesday afternoon class uh, on back-to-back occasions. Uh, the other thing is we play on Martin Luther King Monday, and if that's a trip to uh, Nebraska Wesleyan, which is five hours away, mm. you know, that's that's a little concerning as well. But, sure. Um, you know, with everything said, uh, you know, we play as many home and road games as, as anybody else does throughout the course of the country. So it is what we, what we bought in for, I guess. Yeah, it's not like you have a lot of choices, right? Exactly. <laughs> you can't have everybody come to you. They're not going to like that plan either. <laughs> um, obviously we'll see you in Vegas. What is a trip like that for you? What's the purpose of a trip like that, I guess, is a better... I know why. I think the purpose is. But from your vantage point, why do you come to tournaments like, like the one in Vegas, like the D3Hoops.com Classic? What is the point at that time of season? What are you trying to get accomplished? Well, first and foremost, we know we're going to see great competition. And uh, also, I think along with that, we want to do something a little bit different with our team, with our guys, uh, give them a chance to bond, if you will, in a different setting, um, you know, in, in Vegas is a difficult one. I will say this, that 
Uh, we were out there a few years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, I probably personally made the mistake of <laughs> taking a very young team out there, and they were not able to really handle the, the glitz and the glitter, if you will, and, <laughs> and then get on the court and, and turn it on, you know, flip the light switch and be able to play. So um, that, that was probably a mistake on my part. But moving forward, you know, hopefully we've been there, done it enough that uh, guys will be ready to play. You know, it is right after Christmas, limited practice time. So Hopefully those games are as clean as possible uh, going into the holidays. Coach, I apologize. That previous trip, I actually did, did decide to wear glitter, and it was a little <laughs> off-putting for some people. I apologize. Right now there are people at home going, what is he talking Yeah, I'm kidding, folks. Um, well, we look forward to having you out there. I look forward to uh, You've got some good games here, but obviously the more important task right now is to get out into conference play. The team is ranked 14th, which is nearly the highest ranking it's ever received. I think it's the, uh, the highest was a, was 11th uh, a handful of years ago. I don't remember when. So this program's kind of a little bit, at least the team, is a little bit new to this fanfare and this spotlight. Um, how do you keep them focused, as it were, with obviously you got the game against Dubuque that will have already happened by the time we put this up, but you got Loris ahead too. How do you keep these guys focused on the task at hand? Well, we really don't uh, focus on the rankings. Uh, we just know that if we take care of business at the end of the day, we can look up at the scoreboard and, and the score will take care of itself. And um, really, uh, you know, across the board here at Warburg, we're very fortunate to be in a great situation here where our fall sports, uh, we have football that's still playing at this point in time in the Elite Eight and uh, our, our wrestling team, you know, mm. the last few years has won a national title. I've so. heard they're good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They are outstanding. So it's just it's an awesome environment to be in. And you kind of hit on the other mini theme of this of this show, uh, of other programs who are being successful at the same time and how that trickles down. You just pointed out football program is still playing in, in December, which is outstanding. Um, you've got a, a women's program that we all know has been pretty good for a few years now and the wrestling program. How does that all matriculate? How does that affect each other? Well, uh, first and foremost, I, I shouldn't just stop at just the few uh, teams that were mentioned there, but I think it's a great environment. You go into the weight room and, you know, you might be uh, working out next to somebody that's an all-region person, certainly all-conference, uh, might be an All-American, and uh, that's motivational for our players when when they're in the weight room together, for instance. It's it's um it's interesting to see where this program has come, Coach. It's it, the last year's run was incredible, um, and I don't know, maybe I missed it. I didn't expect much out of this season because you did lose, as you pointed, a couple thousand point scores, who I thought were the crux of it. Clearly, the heart of this team was sitting just behind those men and learned a lot, and now they're the ones stepping up, and it's great to see. I congratulate you on an absolutely terrific start. I promise you I am considering you for the top 25 and may reconsider my vote next week. Um, But in the meantime, congratulations. Uh, It's great to talk to you now. I look forward to seeing you in Vegas. In the meantime, we always give the coach the final chance to say something. Do you have any final thoughts to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, No, just that you mentioned that we were opening the conference play here. We play a very uh, competitive Dubuque team. They're 5-0 at this point in time, and so we know – uh, we've got to be ready to go uh, this evening and uh, look forward to the remainder of the schedule and the challenges that lie ahead. 
Well, Coach, congratulations and good luck on those challenges ahead. Appreciate you taking the time, and we'll talk to you very soon. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Absolutely. He is Dick Paith, the head coach of the Warburg Knights men's basketball program. Once again, thanks to Dick Paith for joining me on the show. Always enjoy chatting with him and talking about his Warburg team and look very much forward to seeing them in Las Vegas at the D3Hoops.com Classic. At worst, I'll at least get to see them in front of me. I find it fascinating in the interview how he talked about last time they came and maybe got a little distracted by the glitz and glitter and were too young a program to be there with the competition that they faced. They're certainly a little bit more seasoned this year. They'll take on a Stevens Point squad that certainly has a lot of questions about them and an Augsburg squad that certainly I think people are going to be a little bit curious about who's also off to a good start in what has become a very fascinating race in the MIAC as well. MIAC and IAAC have both become very good uh, races to keep an eye on, I think, and I think it's going to change the look of the West reason, especially how much a Skyak has kind of fallen on themselves a little bit. So thanks again to Wartburg and Coach Dick Paith. I got my eye on them. It doesn't mean I might not vote for them next week. I sometimes find these interviews very enlightening, and while you sometimes get some coach speak or you get some spin, as it were, I sometimes get a lot of good information out of them as well, and I have a different appreciation for Wartburg now than I did a week ago, and I'll look forward to seeing how they do. Again, they will have played Dubuque by the time this has aired, so maybe their record is change to 5-1 and one or 4-2, and two, we don't know. So the Eau Claire, Loris, lacrosse games ahead of them before the holiday break, I'll certainly keep my eye on as well. Speaking of teams that maybe I'm discounting or at least I want to learn more about, coming up next, I'll talk to Illinois Wesleyan's Ron Rose. I talked to him for a variety of reasons, and I wanted to learn more not only of his team but the conference. Ron Rose is always a joy to chat with, and I look forward to sitting down with the Titans head coach. You'll listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. As always, you can interact with us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and email. Our Instagram and Twitter accounts are the same, at D3Hoopsville, using the hashtag Hoopsville. Facebook, it's easy to find, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Hoopsville, and of course you can email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Apparently all easy for us to say, as we've said it so many times. Of course, one can't go without thanking d3hoops.com, WBCA, and NABC for their support. Plenty more about their support in the near future as well on this program. So let's talk about the other program on the men's side that I've got questions about. I thought about voting for Illinois Wesleyan. I looked at him and said, yeah, I, I could see myself making the argument to put him in my top 25. At the same time, I had that other voice in my head giving me lots of reasons not to vote for him. This is what happens a lot with a lot of people. 
They're 5-0 and as of the time we're talking to them. They don't play in the middle of this week. They got Carthage up ahead. They beat Fontbonne, who I think just picked up their first win of the season the other day. They played Alma, who's not nearly the same team we're used to seeing from a couple of years ago. They beat Calvin, who's also off to a rough start, and they beat Millsaps. Fontbonne's 1-3. Alma's 0-3. Calvin's 1-4. Millsaps is 2-4. The good win on that is Rhodes, who's 3-2. Of course, Rhodes also lost to Hopkins, who's off to a good start. So those are their two losses, Hopkins and Illinois Wesleyan, having beaten Vassar, Bellhaven, and Howard Payne. That leaves me a lot of questions, and I decided I was going to hold off on the Illinois Wesleyan at this point. Now they ahead have Carthage, Wheaton, North Central, WashU, Chicago, Emory, Birmingham Southern before the start of the next year. That's a heck of a schedule. Another reason I wanted to wait. Who are these Titans? Have they made the CCIW race along with Augustana, North Central, uh, Carthage, and others a really fascinating one to watch? Well, the only way I get to find out those answers usually is talking to two people. One of them happens to be Ron Rose, and he joins me now. Now joining me on the Hoopsville Hotline, the head coach of Illinois Wesleyan. It is Ron Rose, head of the Titans. Coach, thanks for joining me, and welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Hey, Dave. I really appreciate you thinking about us and having us on. Yeah, absolutely. As I said in the introduction, don't often talk to you guys at this point in the season unless, let's say, you're a top-10 team and absolutely off to a roaring start. You're actually off to that roaring start. Um, but as I kind of said in the intro, I look at the 5-0, and I look at the teams, and yeah, names like Calvin certainly jump out, or if this was an Alma team from two years ago, it jumps out. But I had a lot mm-hmm. of questions, and I said, you know what, let's talk to Ron. Let's let's take this opportunity and, and understand you guys better and, and the conference. You're 5-0, right. and oh, but from your perspective, what are you guys? Well, you know, we're off to a good start, and... Um, you know, we, we were hoping we'd get off to a good start. We, we, uh, I really like our team. Uh, you know, we've got a team that I think is the most athletic group uh, that I've coached at Illinois Wesleyan in my 12 years. Um, we shoot the ball really well. We've got uh, a nice blend of uh, returning players with um, some freshmen and some transfers that we're, we're mixing in together. We'll be a team that gets better as time goes on as we get more acclimated to playing together. Uh, I don't hold it against you, Dave. I think, the, <laughs> I think you've got to earn your ranking, right? You, you've, got to, you've got to prove it. And I tell you, we're going to have, and every team is going to have that opportunity through the course of the season. And, um, you know, I think we've played some good teams, but we have some, some, uh, a really challenging stretch coming up that uh, we have to maneuver through, and and I think, uh, you know, we'll know more about ourselves at that time, and as as will you. And as I said, the, the next part of your schedule also dr- really intrigued me, and I think it was one as a voter I sat there going, okay, wait a minute. I've seen what they've got, but I see what they've got coming. I want I mm-hmm. to see this. I mean, you've Carthage coming up in conference play starting on December 2nd. You then have Wheaton and North Central. Then you'll have WashU and Chicago before the break. And after the break, you'll go down to uh, Emory and play Emory and Birmingham Southern and then get back into the CCIW play. So while the first five games are interesting, it's this next set that really will tell a lot about you guys. Yeah, we, I, mean, I mean, how about that schedule? Oh. Um, it's, it's uh, you know, I call it the gauntlet. We, we, we're going to have to play really well. And uh, we'll find out about ourselves. And I, I, I believe in the group that we've got this year. I think uh, it needs to be tested. 
Um, I would have liked to spread out some of these games through the course <laughs> of the schedule instead of having so many challenging ones back to back. But um, you know that that that's what makes college basketball fun, and our guys want to be challenged. And and um, again, it's starting in CCIW play, starting with Carthage, Wheaton, North Central. Doggone! I mean, yeah. you know, in, in a week and a half. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll know about ourselves much more. Sure. Um, when I look at the schedule, we'll get to the CCIW aspect later. Alma, again, from two years ago, that's a solid team. They're struggling a little bit. Calvin has usually been a solid team. They're struggling a little bit. But then you have WashU and Chicago and Emory, all teams that are always in the national conversation. You guys certainly went out there and said, you know what, we're going to challenge ourselves. Despite the fact the CCIW schedule is now bigger, we're still going to go out there and and, and kind of put ourselves on the on the ledge as it were well we, you know we, we've always tried to do that we've tried to to put together a strong non-conference schedule mm-hmm. to get ready for conference play uh the dynamic has changed a little bit now that uh we place uh two or three conference games before christmas it, it it's a little bit different in terms of getting ready for conference play you know two years ago the entire conference play was second semester so you really wanted to to get your team ready, you know, for after Christmas, you have to do that a little bit sooner these days. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, we we want to we want to put together a strong non-conference schedule, and and um, there's a balance there, you know, with with as strong as the CCIW uh, is from top to bottom, um, you know, it 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 makes scheduling challenging. Sure. Again, coming up, we got Carthage, Wheaton, and North Central in conference play. There's a lot of people who say Carthage could be really good this season. Wheaton may be a little bit off, but you still can't underestimate them. And then North Central looks to be right back into the swing of things with Connor Raritan back in. What do you expect from these upcoming three games? I think I think it's I think it's going to be a dogfight. Hmm. You know, every year in conference play yes. is everybody knows each other a little bit better. Uh, the games are. Um, a little bit more intense, a little more physical, um, and, and and yeah, the, the familiarity of the programs and the players just heighten that intensity. And you know, one of the things I think is really unique about our league this year is the size in it. Um, you know, I, I thought a couple of years ago that Division Three might be uh, shrinking a little bit, that the, the overall size might might be uh, getting smaller, but. The CCIW is enormous this year when you look at uh, Carthage's big guy and, and Wheaton's got some size. North Central with Sorensen, Augustana has size. Um, we come in with one of the biggest teams we've had, and, and we may be the third, fourth, or fifth biggest team in the conference. So I just think that overall size is going to make uh, you know the physical play even enhance that much more. Yeah, it's... Every year we talk about the CCIW being a challenge. It is absolutely one of the best five conferences in the country. Top to bottom, it's always competitive. Even if it isn't very competitive at the bottom, you just never know when a Millican might come up and bite you. Uh, or even in the last couple of years, uh, maybe uh, Elmer, surprisingly, who a couple of years ago was at the top. And that's the other aspect, is the top can easily be the bottom. The bottom can easily be the top on any given year. <laughs> but the last couple of years also, though, seems to have had a separation. You've got the top half. And the bottom half this year, and I know we haven't gotten into play, but just from your vantage point, does it feel like that isn't necessarily the case anymore? That it that that middle and even the bottom has come up into the top a little bit, and this has gotten deeper. If that makes any sense, oh, clearly, 
I mean, clearly you have North Park who played in the conference tournament last year. Milliken has had a good start to their season. Uh, I think Elmhurst is really an underrated team this season, just given the, the uncertainty of so many new players. Um, and, and you're right, it's not a top-bottom. It, it's intermixed now because with uh, four teams, uh, only four teams getting in the conference tournament, it's a dogfight to get in the top four. I mean, there's there's typically you know five or six teams going into that last week that still have a chance to get in the top four. So I, I would completely agree with your assessment that it's not a, you know, top four, bottom four type league. It's, it's pretty good from top to bottom. And on any given Wednesday, Saturday, um, teams that, that may be at the bottom of the, the um, uh, uh, record at that time can beat a team that's at the top. So hmm. it, it is a, uh, it you know they tell me it made that's what makes it fun but for a coach <laughs> it takes a lot of tums right <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I would assume I don't usually have those I'm not having the same kind of stress you are um, I rely that on the coaches um, we got our own stress that we own worry about but, right, but I, I let right. you have yours um, Augustana gets all the way to the semi or the championship game last year kind of surprisingly we had a lot of ex obviously the year before and, and years before they were top dog. North Central had a lot of expectations and unfortunately couldn't get there with due to injuries and such. And everybody else has certainly had expectations. This year, a lot of expectations on Augustana. North Central's back in the mix. Maybe you guys are in the mix. Maybe Carthage. Is there a top dog this season in the CCIW well, that everyone's aiming for? Well, I, I think every year that there, it, it's you're competing to be the top dog. Yeah. You know, you start in and, and certainly – uh, Augustana has the bullseye right now because of their finish in the, at the end of last year and so many returning players. You know, North Central has so many returning players. So you start the season always with a few favorites. Yeah. But as the, as the year goes on, you know, um, you know, you have to kind of earn those stripes. And, and those teams will be challenged. And there will be teams like ours that are, are hoping to, to play themselves into uh, contention for the conference championship and uh, you know, I just think that there, when you look at the CCIW, there there are so many quality schools, so many quality coaches that work very hard that, um, you know, it's just going to be competitive every year. It's certainly going to be. Augustana picked at the beginning by you coaches to be the uh, the, the pick, but uh, it, a lot of points, especially in that top four, um, maybe the bottom four or bottom teams a little bit weird. Of course, you mentioned Carroll, by the way, into the conference now, makes the conference schedule even bigger, so you're playing more games as we see three games before Christmas. Is that hard to adjust to? It has been different because it it, it puts a premium in getting your team ready to play. Um, you know, the first week of December, where you could, you know, we always had the luxury of eleven non-conference games through the first semester. You could play a, a bigger rotation, experiment with lineups, um, and and now you feel like, hey, by December, beginning of December, we've got to be playing pretty good basketball because you don't want to fall behind. It happened to us last year. We got off to a great start, dropped our first two conference games, a close game against North Park, who was outstanding last year, and then uh, another close game at North Central. Yeah. And then that kind of puts you behind the eight ball the rest of the year. So, um, you know, we've kind of approached it a little bit different in trying to make sure that, that we have uh, a little bit more uh, prepared for these first few CCIW games. Sure. Let's talk about the team. Uh, team is led by this guy named Brady Rose. I don't know if you're familiar with him. 
Uh, 20.8 <laughs> points a game, uh, shooting 79% from the free throw line, 47% from beyond the uh, – on the – I'm sorry, let's see this again. 47% from the field, 31% from beyond the arc. Uh, I've heard he's a relative of yours of some kind, sir? Yeah, some, sometimes I admit it and sometimes I don't, right? <laughs> well done. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm really proud of him. It's been a, it's been a real uh, incredible experience getting an opportunity to coach Brady. Uh, he's had a great start to the season. Um, and I tell you, that the, the strength of Illinois Wesleyan this year, as it always has been in our balance, we have a deep team. We have on the offensive end, we're going to put five guys on the floor who have the ability to score. And, um, you know, I, I really like our, I really like this group. They play hard. They compete hard. Uh, they've got the, the, the right uh, attitude in terms of putting the team first. And so I, I think there's a lot of potential in this group. Now, what we need to get into is some of these tight battles that we're going to experience here the next few games and see how we react as a group when I think every game we've had so far, we, we've had the lead. And so we need to get in those those um, that, that those games that are tight, that are going back and forth, and see how we react to that. But uh, every every indicator I have is that, that we're going to be a team that that uh, is going to compete to the to the end. So excited to see how we do. Two other guys in double figures, Zach Knobloch, a, a sophomore, uh, also, let me double check, uh, Colin Bonnet, uh, who is yeah. a junior as well. So you've got a lot of underclassmen certainly stepping up as well, along with your son, who's a senior this year. Are there? Do you guys have really high expectations this season? Well, we do. You know, okay. I, I, I think, uh, you know, last year I, I, we had an NCAA caliber team. And you look at some of our wins, whether it was um, – you know, the last game against Augustana or on the road at Ohio West, you know, on the road at Wash U. We had a, a quality team, but we stepped our toe a few times where we did not play up to our potential. And, and um, you know, this year we want to make sure we don't do that. But I think we, we clearly have a team that can compete for, for a conference championship, a team that should have an expectation of playing in the NCAA tournament. Uh, and now it's a matter of we, we have to go out there and, and – uh, Prove it, but I, I think when you look at our size, our athleticism, and our skill set, there, there's uh, no reason not to have those expectations. I should also point out a lot of this next month is going to be on the <clears throat> excuse me on the road, Carthage game at home and Wash U at home. Everything else on the road, so you guys going to have to be a little bit of road warriors too. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. With that. that was one of the things that was nice of going down playing at Rhodes this weekend in their tournament is spending some time on the bus in the hotel. Uh, playing on the road, uh, kind of getting used to that, and uh, we're going to get a, a big, big flavor of it here soon at, at Wheaton and at North Central. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the Rhodes game. You won that one twenty three, one hundred four. Had to adjust to the system, as it were. Most people I've talked to, and it may have been you too, who may have mentioned this to me. It's it's not about that first game that you play against the system. Yes, you have to throw everything out. It's really the next two games where you're still now trying to go back to what you normally do. Yeah, they, they they call it the Grinnell flu. I've heard it called. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> that, a great that, name. There, yeah, there, there's just a little hangover effect, and what I'm I'm uh, what I think the scheduling plays out in our favor in the fact that we have a whole week. Yeah, I guess to get it out of our system, a whole week to get back to playing uh, the way we uh, traditionally would in preparation for Carthage. I do think it might be difficult uh, to go back to back if you played. Uh, the system on Friday night and had to turn around and play on Saturday. Um, 
haven't experienced that, but that's what that's what people say. Sure. Well, it's it's nice that you got the win, though it does make me smile a little bit. I, and of course, I think the system is starting to be, uh, move its way through Division Three a little bit more popularly. Um, of course, everybody has their own version of it. So we won't go into those nuances, but it's nice that you guys came out with that win and got Carthage coming up. A- am I correct? This is your twelfth season as head coach. Yeah, it so doesn't fast, feel like twelve seasons. Yeah, year one, year two, isn't it something, Dave? Yeah, we're in our fifteenth, and hoops D three hoops has just celebrated its twentieth birthday. I just can't believe you're in your twelfth season. It doesn't. It feels like yesterday we were talking about you taking over the program. It's, it, it, it has gone very quickly, and you know, talking about Brady, he was he was a little guy in grade school that would yeah. sit in front of the bus with me, and <laughs> um, but we haven't changed. We're still rolling, and yeah. it's been a great twelve years. I I, I love my alma mater, Illinois Wesleyan, and, and um, uh, excited about the current season as well. Well, I appreciate you taking time to join us, sir. Uh, especially ahead of what will certainly be a challenging stretch of your of your season as I said in the beginning I was curious about what exactly were the Titans this season and wanted to take advantage of it instead of instead of waiting until later instead of waiting until either it, it doesn't work out we don't talk to you or it works out and now we're coming in after the fact I wanted to hear ahead of time so thanks for taking the time as always we give the coach the final word any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in well hey, I, I appreciate you letting me talk about the Titans hopefully we will talk later in the year yes. that, that, that there's a reason to, to talk to us and as always, uh, the job you do in, in terms of creating interest and giving exposure to Division Three basketball is greatly appreciated. It it's made, uh, makes the season more interesting. And uh, I know Illinois Wesleyan really appreciates everything you guys do over there at D3 Hoops. Well, thank you, sir. Appreciate the kind words. Always love chatting with you. I do look forward to talking to you hopefully later in the season. And in, and, and in that case, enjoy the holidays, and we'll talk soon. That sounds great. Thanks, awesome. Dave. Ron Rose joining us from Illinois Wesleyan. I have a feeling they get through this next bunch just a little bit. They won't only just enter the top 25. If they do well, they could leapfrog into the top 25 even higher. Thanks again to Ron Rose for joining us. Appreciate him taking the time. I hinted at the beginning there's two people I usually talk to when it comes to Illinois Wesleyan and the CCIW, Ron Rose being one of them. The other one's our good friend Titan Q, Bob Quillman. Haven't talked to Bob at the beginning of this season as of yet. But trust me, if there's one thing I plan to do, it's to talk to Bob, or Bob will reach out to me. Either way, we'll learn more from Bob at some point. Maybe we'll get his take, despite his location in Texas, on what's going on in the CCIW later in the season. The Illinois Wesleyan, off to a good start. It's the Carthage, Wheaton, North Central games that I'm most fascinated by, followed by WashU, Chicago, Emory, Birmingham Southern. Seven games ahead to close out the 2017 part of this season. If they come through that relatively unblemished, and granted, WashU is probably the biggest ranked team on that list, but along with North Central and others, that will certainly impress many. And I may may have hinted at this. Illinois Wesleyan will go from unranked to high in the rankings if they come out of this unblemished. If they come through it slightly blemished, they still may be in the top 25. Just depends on who they lose to and when. So looking forward to seeing how the Titans evolve here and really looking forward to what I think is going to be a fascinating CCIW race this season. We talked a lot about some good races. The NESCAC is going to be good on both the, on both the men's and women's side. I think the IAC on the men's side, the MIAC on the men's side are going to be great races. Um, and on the CCIW side, Illinois Wesleyan's off to a good start. You're expecting good things out of North Central. We expect good things possibly out of Wheaton, probably Carthage, of course, Augustana. 
But the others, who we didn't expect much out of, may be off to a good start. Remember, we talked to Milliken's head coach, Mark Scherer, in our preseason. They're off to a 4-1 and start, wins over Finlandia. Webster, Sarah Lawrence, lost to Platteville by 14, but then beat Rose Holman. They've got their non or their conference schedule ahead with Wheaton, Elmhurst, and Carroll. Well, let's keep an eye on Milliken, too. This CCIW race could be a little bit more interesting than I think a lot of people may expect. And no, I don't think anybody gets through the conference undefeated. It hasn't happened in forever, so get the champagne out. I don't think it's going to happen this year either. So that's going to do it for our show. I want to thank all of our guests for appearing on this audio-only pre-taped edition. Of course, Adrian Scheibel's at Bowdoin. I want to thank uh, Marietta's head coach, Cole Vivian. also want to thank Sam Boris-Smith, our former All-American from Rochester. Thanks to Dick Paith from Wartburg and, of course, Ron Rose from Illinois Wesley. And, of course, all the sports information directors who helped as well put this show on the air. Again, pre-taped edition. We hope to be back on the air, barring travel or weather problems, on Jan- on the Sunday show at 7 o'clock Eastern time. Hopefully you'll be live. We're looking at a more of a Milestones store uh, show that night. You'll learn more as we promote it. But looking forward to that as we book our guests for that show. If you have any questions, again, always interact with us via Twitter. Um, at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, facebook.com slash hoopsville. We're on Instagram as well. That's the usual litany, and we hope you take advantage of it to contact us. In the meantime, once again, our thanks to d3hoops.com, the WBCA, and NABC. Expect the Coach's Corner and Center Court segments to return, maybe a little bit here in the month of December, but in earnest when January rolls around as well. In the meantime... Thank you for tuning in. Appreciate you taking the time to enjoy our show and support our efforts. We hope you find it as informative as we do putting the show together. And so that will sign off. Thanks again for tuning in. Thanks to our guests for joining us. We look forward to seeing what results this week and talking about it on Sunday night. You've been listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. Thanks very much and see you Sunday night.